I realized I didn't really want to be a stay-at-home mom. I always wanted to contribute financially to my family. That's something that just that I always envisioned for myself. But I really did want that control over my schedule. So I started to play with this idea of becoming my own boss one day. And I had no idea what that could even look like. Welcome to the Smart Money Mama Show, where moms get real about money to help you find your financial confidence and live your best life. Now let's talk money, mamas. Hey there, I'm your host, Chelsea Brennan. And mamas, today on the show, we're talking to an amazing woman, Monica Louie, who paid off six figures of debt, started a blog to help others on their own debt-free journey, and then pivoted to running a successful ad management business for six and seven-figure online business owners. Monica is a fantastic example of how we never know where our money journey is going to take us and how you can build a flourishing business as a mom. As always, stick around until the end of the show to hear my top three takeaways from this conversation with Monica, or you can head over to smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Monica for the complete show notes and to download your free Design Your Passion Project workbook. Are you ready, mamas? Let's get started. Hey, Monica, welcome to the Smart Money Mamas show. Hey, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. I am super excited to be here. I absolutely love all that you're doing. So it's just a thrill and an honor for me to be here. Thank you. I'm excited to have you here because we've known each other for a while now. I love your story. You've helped us with Facebook ads in the past. And so I'm really excited to introduce you to our audience. So tell us a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. So I'm a Facebook and Instagram ads strategist, and I have my agency where my team and I manage ads for six and seven figure online entrepreneurs. I also have my signature training program, Flourish with Facebook Ads, where I teach people how to create high converting campaigns. During non-COVID times, I travel and speak across the United States at various conferences. So I absolutely love what I'm doing today. Which is so awesome. And Monica, tell us how old your kids are. Yes. So I've got two kids, a boy and a girl. My son is nine. He's in fourth grade. And my daughter is almost seven in first grade. Fun, fun ages. Now, Monica, you didn't just always have this amazing business that you have now. This has been a long story. So bring us back to the beginning. I started off, you know, just following the quote unquote normal path. I went to school, went to college, thought that, you know, life would be set after I got my degree that I would find a good job, make decent money, have a family someday. So that was the path that I went down. So when my husband and I got married and we started planning our family, one by one, I started to see my friends from college begin to start having their babies. Then one by one, they also started leaving their jobs. When that started happening, I began to think, well, maybe I want to be a stay-at-home mom myself while my kids are little, have more control over my schedule, more flexibility, not have anybody telling me yes or no, or having to get permission to take my kid to the doctor. I realized I didn't really want to be a stay-at-home mom. I always wanted to contribute financially to my family. That's something that just that I always envisioned for myself but I really did want that control over my schedule. So I started to play with this idea of becoming my own boss one day. And I had no idea what that could even look like. So my corporate career was in pension administration, which I was really good at. I was, you know, moving up the ladder. But when I thought of people who would leave to go build businesses, my understanding was that they would leave and go start a similar company. Mm. It just didn't feel like that was going to light me up to try and and go down that path. I figured there's got to be something else out there that I could be really excited about. So I just had this vision of myself working from home someday on my computer, on my laptop, helping people in some way. 
And I had no idea literally what that could be. So my husband and I, with this kind of goal in mind of me having the opportunity and the time to figure out what that could be, we started to make some financial shifts in order to put us in a position where we could have me leave my job, stay home while our kids were little, and then I could have the space to figure out what that business could be. You know, we made a couple of moves. We paid off our car. We built up some savings. And then by the time that I was pregnant with my daughter, so my son at this time was approaching two, my husband had gotten a promotion and the numbers seemed to align that we could make it work on his income. I left my job May 1st of 2013. And by the end of June, we realized that our savings had started to dip a little bit. And being pregnant, I didn't want to have to go back to work as soon as my daughter was born. You know, I knew we would be fine for the next few months, but I didn't know what that would look like. And so I knew that there was more that we had to do in order to really be in control of our money. And so that's when I started to kind of, I found the personal finance community online and started hearing these success stories of people who had paid off loads of debt. I heard this one success story of this family who was very similar to ours. I think they were on a single income. They had a few kids and they had paid off all of their debt. It just inspired me that, wow, well, if they can do it, then we can too. So we hit the ground running. And in two years, we paid off $120,000 of debt, all on a single middle-class income. I started dabbling online at that time, but I wasn't making money to contribute to our family. It was very okay. much single middle-class income. Yeah, There's there's so much to <laughs> dig into here. There's so many follow-up questions. We're going to go back to the beginning here. As your friends started dropping out of the workforce, and you're saying yes. these are women who never imagined that for themselves when you guys were in college. Did you ever talk about how they made that choice? Yeah. So I would ask my friends as they shared that they were going to be leaving, you know, they kind of just shared that. And I don't know if they had never thought about becoming stay-at-home moms themselves, but I know like we had all met, you know, in college and we were all like really excited about our career ambitions and we knew that we wanted to have family someday. And so I don't, I just don't remember the conversations of like, yes, I'm going to start a career, but then I'm going to put that on pause so that I can be home with my littles. And then someday maybe figure out if I want to go back to the workforce or not. That wasn't something that ever came up. So as they started to like drop off, you know, and stay at home, that's when I was like, well, geez, it would be so nice if I could just be home with my, you know, babies and then figure out a way to make money from home. So that's Mm -hmm. when I started to have those thoughts. Okay. After your daughter was born, did you end up going back to work? No. 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 Okay. So that's when we were like paying off the debt. So we started when I was pregnant with her. I remember my last day that somebody said, oh, she'll be back. And that just was like, oh, like, you know, no, I had worked there for seven years and we saw people leave to stay home, leave to go somewhere else. And then pretty soon, one by one, they would end up coming back because it was a pretty secure, stable job, good benefits. You know, I just remember thinking like, no, I'm determined to figure out another way. So no, thankfully, because we were paying off the debt, that made us feel very much more secure. Plus, then we knew we got a handle on what we were spending money on, that we were putting extra toward the debt, and we were being much more intentional. So then I realized that luckily never came to be a possibility for me. Okay. So $120,000 in two years on a middle-class income. Let's get into the math here. What does your husband do for work? So he's in law enforcement. So he's not a doctor. He's not a lawyer. He's not, you know, it's not like we had all this disposable, you know, extra income lying around that we're just like, oh, you know what would be good? Let's just pay off the student loans, you know? So we very much had to hustle to make it work. Okay. And so what did that look like? What are some of the early changes that you made to start paying off that debt? So in August of 2013, so I started like mapping out our budget and the numbers and cranking all, all that out in July. 
I was like, August, we're hitting it and we're going to make it happen. And so Mm -hmm. in August, we knew that we had such a big goal that we had to really build up momentum in order to keep going. We ended up taking some of our savings that we had built up that we had in the bank. We paid off Mike's student loan. So that was a big chunk to start off with. But it made us feel good, like we're making progress. But then we ended up having a very successful garage sale where we made just roughly $1,600 in a weekend selling wow. extra stuff. We went around our house and was like, we don't need that. We don't need that. I'd rather, you know, see if somebody wants that. You know, I'd rather have the potential for money in place of that item. And we really looked at for like anything that we didn't mind parting with because we knew not everything was going to sell. So we yeah. put everything out. Because if you have more options, then people are going to be more likely to stop and take a peek. And then anything that didn't sell, Mike started putting it on Craigslist, offer up. And then we ended up selling his car, which was like his dream car out of college. So that was his idea. It was definitely his idea. And we ended up getting him like a lower costing beater car. All of those things kind of really helped us hit the ground running. So it sounds like Mike was really on board with this debt journey once you discovered it. How did you approach the conversation with him at the beginning? So I was very nervous about it because I didn't know if he was going to think I was crazy or this was just unrealistic. I sat him down when he got home from work one day and I was like, so I have this idea and my heart was just like pitter pattering, you know, and then I shared it with him. I was like, we're going to pay off all of our debt, including our mortgage. Then he just got this grin on his face because going back when we got together, I was the one deep in credit card debt. He had savings, even though we made roughly around the same before when we were in that starting point in our 20s. Mm -hmm. And so he's always been much more frugal. It was kind of an area of concern for him that once we got married, that I might, you know, go shopping left and right and burn through his savings. So I had to really prove that I could be trustworthy, that I wasn't going to go shopping just because we had you know, money in the bank. And so because he's a frugal one, then he was just totally on board. Okay. So that's fantastic. And so selling the car had to be a big chunk. Any other big moves that you made to get to 120,000? Yeah. So, I mean, every month it was like, what can we sell? Another thing that came up is, so he's federal law enforcement. And there was this opportunity that came up when my daughter was, I think she was three months old for him to go to another state where there was overtime opportunities. So he had a little Mm. bit of overtime opportunity, but over in this other state, there was like major overtime opportunities. So he went to go over there and we talked about it, that it would be a sacrifice for our family, Mm. that he was going to be away and my daughter was going to be changing. So he left for 45 days and he worked double shifts. He did not take a day off, doubled his income during that time. You know, we just FaceTimed when we could so that he could see how she's growing and changing. And then when he came back, he came back on a Wednesday. He finished out the work week. We knew going into it that that was going to be, you know, a big sacrifice for our family. But I thought about those military families, that that's just part part of their life. Yeah. And I knew my mom was a single mom that, you know, it was definitely not going to be something I was used to, to be with the kids 24 seven by myself. (laughs) But I knew that it would be, you know, relatively short period of time that could really help us with our goals. So that was one other thing that we did. So Mm -hmm. as we were committed to our goals, just more things started to occur that could help us pay off the extra debt. And so the big thing, the last final big thing, so we had hustled and paid off $90,000 of debt. It was Mother's Day 2015 that we were going on a walk with the kids and we're pushing my daughter in the stroller. We were talking about our house and that we bought this house in 2009 when we got married. 
And so we got it at a great deal with a short sale. It was this big, beautiful house. It was six bedrooms. We thought one day maybe we'd have like three or four kids and fill it up and this would be our forever home. We realized that, you know, we were content, quite content with two little ones, a boy and a girl. We realized that we were always together downstairs, always together upstairs. We had two rooms we weren't using and the value had appreciated so quickly. So we decided to look for other houses that might be a better suited for our family. So we ended up finding a great house in a great neighborhood with great schools. So we ended up lowering our mortgage with that transaction, that sale, and then purchasing the new house. And then we were able to put $40,000 in savings from that sale as well. So we ended wow. up, that brought us over to 120000 paid off, and then 40000 in savings. We had some projects in the new house that we knew we wanted to attack early on. So anyway, oh. so that was kind of the last big movement to get us to that 120000 mark. So it sounds like for these two years, you guys hustled really hard. You did a lot of things that I think would make other people uncomfortable selling that dream car, downsizing your home. And I'm curious, did you have moments in that two years that it felt hard that like maybe you needed to slow down? I remember there were times where we would feel disappointed that we didn't pay off more or like there would be months like we were definitely not perfect. We still ate out. We still bought new iPhones for us. That was something that we wanted to do. We knew that, you know, we could put it off, but we wanted new iPhones. We didn't eat out a lot. And there would be times where we would eat out a little bit more and then be like, okay, you know, let's bring it back and get refocused on our goal. So there were certainly months where we just paid the minimums on our debt payments. And we didn't put anything extra. But then that kind of just re-energized. I kept looking at, you know, well, what's the total amount that we have paid off? And that is so inspiring to look at that number growing. Even if you're just making the minimum payments, you can see that that total number of the amount that you're paying off is still growing. So we just kind of reconnected to our goal anytime that we felt, you know, less motivated. And we would kind of hold each other in check of like, you know, if we felt like we were spending a little bit too much or, you know, kind of more lenient on the budget, then we would just kind of remind each other of our goal and what we were shooting for. Absolutely. And it sounds like you kept some eating out in there as something that was important to you guys in the iPhones. You said earlier that you were more the spender. How did you budget for that yourself? When I really started budgeting, it was very exciting to see that I had this amount that I could spend on. I didn't really spend a lot on my clothes. You know, at that time, I would be more excited to spend on, you know, buying cute outfits for my kids. And so then we'd go shopping and be like, well, do the kids really need new shorts or new pants? You know, and if it was yes, then it's like, okay, then what can we get? You know, what's on the clearance rack or whatever? And really kind of like get creative with, you know, getting more for less. I just looked at it as a challenge, but then it was also kind of freeing that like, okay, well, I've got money in my clothing budget and I want a new shirt or I really like that shirt. And you know what? I'm just going to get it because the money is over there, you know? And so it just kind of made me feel kind of empowered and like I could finally shop guilt-free because I knew that we had allocated for it. Which is amazing. And I've also heard from some other spenders that just paying off the debt, making that payment felt the same rush as spending. Did you feel that too? Absolutely. Absolutely. So once we had our sights on the goal, then I was the one like managing all the numbers and making sure that all the extra was going toward it. And so I'd really like challenge us like, well, let's see how much we can pay off this month. Can we pay off a little bit more? You know, or maybe even with our grocery budget, always like challenging, like, can we take that down just a little bit more? It was just thrilling to see that like, we okay, we're going to make this big chunk toward the debt. And then like our total number, I always kept my eye on the total number of of what we had paid off just to always see that grow is really, really thrilling. That's fantastic. 
And so after you paid off the debt, what did your money goal become next? We still had a mortgage. And so the goal has still been to pay off the mortgage. So we had some projects that we wanted to do. So in that house, we had an unfinished basement. So we wanted to finish that up. And that became my office for me to to work from home. That and where we're seeing you in now? We're actually in our new house. We moved just a few months ago. My husband got a promotion. And so now we're in another state. So now we're in a new house and this is a new office that looks very similar to the old office. We still have a mortgage and our goal is to, as we're finishing up projects here, to focus on that. But money goals, I mean, I've got business financial goals. So very focused on the business money side of things, but then also personally and like recommitting to paying off the mortgage because that's our last step. We want to be mortgage free. That would be fantastic. So what advice do you have for people who are just starting this journey, who might be looking down six figures of debt and feeling like, hey, we have a middle-class income, this isn't possible. Where would you recommend they start? Okay, so the first thing is to look for inspiration of other people who are maybe in a similar situation to you. Mm -hmm. And that's really what kind of led me to believe like, okay, this is possible. Because I would hear about, you know, other stories of this person paying off debt, this family paying off debt. And it's like, well, you know, there's always that skeptical about like, well, they make more money or they have this going for them. Or, you know, there's some reason that enters your mind to think yeah. that it may be easier for them. So look for look for those sources of inspiration of people who are in a similar situation to you or even have jumped over bigger hurdles, you know, overcome bigger challenges. And then you can realize that, okay, well, really, this is possible for anybody. Once you're like, you've decided, then commit wholeheartedly. So always come back to your goal. Always come back to what that's going to feel like when you're debt free. What are you going to do? Like, are you going to take a big trip when you're, when you're debt free? What are you going to do to celebrate? And what is that going to feel like for you? And as, I mean, we really focused on the freedom that we would feel, but then really Mm -hmm. as we started chipping away at the debt, I mean, we realized we weren't waiting for the freedom. We were feeling that as we were making progress and building momentum. So it came much earlier. It wasn't something that we were going to achieve one day, years from now. It really was a feeling that we were starting to build as we were paying off the debt. I love that. And I do think that like once you start to see that you have the power, like just like you were saying, watching that total payment number get bigger and bigger is so empowering and so exciting and does, we talk here all the time, as you know, about money as self-care and it reduces the sense of like stress, you know, you've got it handled. Oh, such an amazing thing. I'm curious, how are you teaching your kids about money? So we talk about money and where money comes from. They have money in savings and they're very excited every time they have an opportunity to put money in savings. But then they also have some money in their wallets and then they'll get excited about, you know, going to the store and maybe buying something. But we always try and talk to them about like being intentional with it. You know, if you buy some candy today, that means that you may not have as much sitting there when you want to buy something bigger and more exciting down the road. And so we talk to them about the different priorities. We talk to them about how we make decisions with our money. We never use the phrase like we can't afford it. That was something I heard a lot growing up. But we talk to them about why, you know, if they say, well, I want this or, you know, can't you buy that for me? Or now they're starting to think about their Christmas wish list. It's like, well, we talk to them about that we're putting our money toward other things and we have we have other goals with our money. And so we need to be intentional about what we're doing, what we're using it for. I love that language. Do they have allowance? Is that how they get their own money? They don't have allowance. Okay. They do chores around the house. Um, we don't have a consistent way of paying them, but they'll get money for like from my aunt and from grandparents. And that's where it comes from. Yeah. 
Gotcha. Yeah, we've actually really loved giving both boys, even though George is only almost three, a little bit more autonomy with their money, even just from not that we go to stores in 2020 as often, but they go into the aisle and they're not asking for everything. Like they want to look at all the toys, but they understand that like money is a resource you have to make decisions about and that there's opportunity costs. And so like where we used to have some minor battles of like, okay, you don't get a toy every time you go in the store. Now they kind of touch everything and then they're like ready to leave, which is a blessing. (laughs) Such a blessing. I want to shift into talking about your incredible Facebook ad management business. But before we do, let's take a quick break to hear from our partners who help make the Smart Money Mama show possible. Whether you're building an emergency fund, paying off debt, or saving for that special vacation, every little bit counts, which is why I love to use Ibotta, a free cashback app that lets you easily earn actual cash rewards, not points or mysterious codes, on almost all of the things you buy. Groceries, household items, school and office supplies, furniture, restaurants, clothes, diapers, and so much more. Don't you want to save on purchases you're already making and put that extra cash towards your goals? I know you do. So download the Ibotta app or add the Chrome extension to your browser. And don't forget to use the code MAMA2020, that's M-A-M-A 2020, when you create your free account, because Ibotta is offering Smart Money Mamas listeners an exclusive $20 cash welcome bonus to supercharge your savings. Don't leave money on the table, Mama. Start using Ibotta today. So I want to move into talking about your business because this is an amazing story as well. When did you start your first blog in in this whole journey? So it was January of 2015 that I launched my blog about our debt-free journey because Mm. I knew that it was, you know, some other story who had inspired us to get out of debt. And so I wanted to share our story because also people were asking, especially my husband's coworkers that make, you know, roughly around the same as he did. And they knew that we started paying off the debt after I left my job. This was not something that we were doing on two, you know, decent incomes. It was something that we were doing after we cut mine out of the equation. And so they started asking how we were doing this. And so I was like, well, I started learning about blogging. I knew that that was a great way to share my message. So I decided I was going to start a blog and I was going to share a story and, you know, kind of what we were doing and our struggles and our steps that we were taking. That was January of 2015. And I started learning all about the online business world from Amy Porterfield and Pat Flynn, who are two of still today, two of my biggest mentors. Oh, yeah. They are both incredible, incredible humans. How did your husband's like colleagues and your guys' friends know you guys were paying off debt? Were you talking about it? Do you have a friendship where you talk about money regularly? Yeah. So, I mean, before we decided to get out of debt, we didn't talk about money with our friends. We would all, you know, go out to eat and get together and whatever. And so when we decided we had this big goal and we were committed to it and we knew that there may be challenges with our friends, you know, wanting to go out, out to eat, then we started, we let them know about our goal. We're like, hey, we're yeah. doing this thing. And they all kind of looked at us like we were a little bit crazy, you know, and... <laughs> Um, but we told them we were excited about it. And so like, instead of us all going out to eat, plus we all have little kids, like let's just get together at somebody's house and we'll do a potluck. We'll bring something. You guys can bring something and we'll do that. And so, you know, as they kind of learned, like, this is not something that was like a great idea one day and then kind of went away that we were still committed to it. They started to understand that was part of who we were even though they were doing things differently with their money. Like many were invested in focused on investing more as opposed to paying off the debt and, you know, didn't really see the reasoning for focusing on paying off the debt. So. Gotcha. Okay. So when you started your blog, what surprised you about getting started blogging? Oh, I was so scared. My mom always raised me that we are private, like our private life is private. And so Mm -hmm. I felt like, 
when I was hitting publish on the blog that I thought all of a sudden anybody in the world can stumble upon, you know, my life, my story. And so I was just like very, very scared about that. And then I realized like, oh, well, it actually, (laughs) that's not exactly how it works. And so (laughs) there are ways where you can try and drive traffic to your blog. So that surprised me. But then also I think the, the community online, the supportive community online, that there are other people who are doing this. There are other people that really inspired me as well to keep going. And just seeing that there are other people who are doing this and doing this successfully and helping people and changing the world. And I always thought when you're growing a business, you've got to, I don't know, become this big, you know, high powered executive. That's just kind of what I, what I imagine. But it's like, there are people who are just doing this from home, just like me sharing their message with the world. I have found the online community to be so supportive of each other. One of my favorite things is that there's so much connection over competition and that's been really surprising for me. I feel like I've met so many amazing friends like you and and so many different people that we've met and mentors that will help you along. And I think that if you're a mom who's listening to this, who's starting, like join some communities where other creators are, because it really is a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. And also, I mean, here we are in 2020. When I started in 2015, you know, I thought I was kind of behind the times, you know, I knew that there were people who started blogging in the mid, you know, 2000s. And really like at any time, there's so much potential. Plus I can just see the potential growth with the internet and just people, you know, niching down and finding the people who truly speak to them, who they can truly relate to. Mm -hmm. So it's not like here we are in 2020 and we've missed, you know, any kind of bus in like, you know, getting on the bandwagon. There's still so much potential out there. Absolutely. Thank you for mentioning that. Cause that's a question we definitely get a lot of, is it just too saturated? Like, are we never right. have no chance? I don't think that's how it works. We always say there's 7 billion people on the planet. <laughs> like many of them have not even read blogs yet. So we're, we're right. completely can still get started. So how long did it take you with your blog to start making money? So I didn't start making money until the end of 2016, really when I started to transition away. So in October of 2016, I did my first webinar and to get people to my webinar because I I didn't focus on SEO. I tried to learn a thing or two. I think if I had started on that or really understanding Pinterest better, then it probably would have grown faster. So I didn't have a lot of traffic. I didn't have like a huge Facebook page or anything, but through Amy Porterfield, I learned the power of webinars and sharing your message, but then also the power of Facebook ads in getting mm-hmm. the right people to hear your message. And so that's when I did my first Facebook ad campaign to drive traffic to my webinar drive signups to my webinar. So that worked really successfully in finding the right people who are interested in what I had to share. So what was your first webinar about? It was my six steps to creating your debt freedom plan. So that's what it was about. And then I had, I was offering my coaching services. So I was doing some financial coaching on the side for the people I knew locally, but then I wanted to open it up to more people. So I started doing that. And so that was the, the back end offer on the webinar. And then the second time I did it in January 2016, my Facebook ad costs were even better taking what I learned from that first campaign. And then I got more people on my webinar. And that's when I kind of reformed that program into a group coaching setting. But then I still had like one-on-one coaching clients after that as well. Okay. So this was four years ago. So I'm totally putting you on the spot right now. But do you remember what your six steps to creating a debt freedom plan were? The first one was commit. The first one was commit because I mean, I think that with any big goal, I think that's the place you've got to start. So it was really like truly committing, not being like it's a good idea, but I am committed. Like this is happening no matter what. 
And then I know there was determining your net worth. So kind of, you know, getting mm-hmm. that snapshot of where you stand now, what are you getting clear on what your, you know, your liabilities are, um, what your assets are, putting that together and then creating the budget. Oh gosh. And then looking for ways to cut money, looking for ways to bring in money. I feel like I'm missing something in the middle there, but those are the main steps. So, yeah. Okay. So had you ever done any kind of live video before this first webinar? So I met Amy Porterfield. I went to her live event that she did for just, I went through B-School through her affiliate mm-hmm. program. And so she did a live event, which was just for her B-Schoolers. And now it's grown to include other people. So I went to that and she, I had the opportunity to be in the hot seat on stage with Amy Porterfield. Oh my god! she challenged me to do live video. So this was the Periscope days. And so she challenged me to, for 30 days to do Periscope every single day. And I was so scared. I was so nervous. But I was like, Amy told me to do it. So I'm going to do it. I can't not do it. And I spent so much time prepping every single day, figuring out what I was going to say. But I did get better doing it consistently. And then by the end, like I was so happy to be done with that challenge. So that was the first time. And then I think my webinar was actually in November, but I started my Facebook ads in October. So that was the timeline there. So what we hear so often from people like Amy, from people like Pat, is the importance of video and letting people get to know you and build that know, like, trust factor. And so that's a fear for so many people. Like you said, terrified of Periscope. What advice do you have for new business owners getting used to being on camera? I think you just got to do it. And so one thing that I learned later that I realized later is get a good camera. So if you're, you know, if you're on your phone, phone cameras are pretty good these days. But like, if you're going to do it on your computer, like we are, I ended up getting an extra camera with high quality for my desktop and then get good lighting. So have good lighting, even if you're on your phone, try and have good lighting. Because once I got the camera and then I got the good lighting in my office, I got so many compliments. People were like, oh, wow, you look so nice. And it was just like, before that, I was like, why do people need to spend extra money on a camera? Isn't it good enough? You know, and are these lights really going to make a difference? I just, I kind of questioned it because I only wanted to spend money where it was really going to make an impact, right? Now I'm like, okay, why didn't I discover the good lighting and the good camera earlier? And we're not talking about like $3,000 DSLRs, especially at the beginning. Like an HD webcam costs 80 bucks, 100 bucks. Yeah. It's not cheap, but it's not, you know, super expensive either. And it makes all the difference versus whatever's built into your computer for sure. Right. Absolutely. And if you're on your phone, get a stand for your phone and then you can just use your phone too. That's what I used. Um, I had a YouTube channel with my first blog. And so I just used my phone on a stand. I wish I had the good lighting back then, but yeah, but then practice. And then just understand that you don't need to be a robot and have like your script perfectly memorized. That was something why I was over preparing is because I was trying to remember exactly what I wanted Mm -hmm. to say and how I wanted to say it. And so people relate to you being you. You're going to mess up and you're going to say something wrong that, you know, and you're going to have to restate it and you're going to stutter. And people understand that you're human. You know, I was looking at Marie Forleo being so perfectly polished on her videos. I was like, this is what I need to be like. But you don't, I mean, Marie didn't start there. Amy didn't start there. Pat didn't start there. You don't need to start there. Just start with where you are and you'll connect with people. Absolutely. And so this original blog isn't what you do anymore. Tell us how you got to now running Facebook ads in your Facebook ad agency. I had really good success with my Facebook ads, the first couple of campaigns that I ran for myself. Um, And then through, oh, that was, no, I said 2016. Sorry, I got the timeline wrong. That was end of 2015. Okay. So end of 2015, that's where I was launching my coaching and my group coaching program in early 2016. So 
Through 2016, people in the personal finance space online where you and I met started Mm -hmm. having a real interest in Facebook ads to grow their blogs. So my name started to be floated around as somebody who could answer questions about Facebook ads, somebody who knew a thing or two. And at first I was very resistant to it because I was like, I just know what worked for me. Like I'm no expert, you know, (laughs) I'm learning this myself, you know, but I started working with one person because he told me, he's like, Monica, I want you to come teach my team about organic Facebook marketing. Mm -hmm. And then I want you to help us with a Facebook ad campaign. So, and I told him, I tried to get out of it. I was like, I know somebody else who would be a better fit for this. He was like, no, like I know you, I want you. So I took what I had learned from Amy Porterfield and I put together this Facebook marketing program training for his team. And then I started working with one of his team members on creating the campaign and that worked pretty well. And then um, more people started reaching out for my help with their Facebook ads Still, I was very upfront with like, I've done this on a very limited basis, but I knew more than them and I was very organized with how I was going to help them. So by the end of 2016, I realized that I was working with several people at that time on different strategies. We were getting great results. And I really, through those different experiences in 2016 of helping other people grow their businesses and you know get in front of the right people with Facebook ads, I realized that I really liked that side of things. I really liked helping other entrepreneurs grow their businesses. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of 2016, I ended up selling the blog. I still wasn't so sure that Facebook ads was going to be the thing. But then as we entered into January and I realized, okay, we're still getting amazing results. I mean, just way more amazing than I ever thought possible. And I was like, there's something here. Plus, I'm having so much fun. Like, this is what I was looking for, you know? Yeah. So I started off with Facebook ads coaching. And then in the summer of 2017, as my coaching was like filling up and I was having, you know, no room in my calendar, I decided that I was in order to help more people, I could create my course. So I launched that in September of 2017. Also in September of 2017, there were a couple of people that reached out that were like more established in their businesses where they wanted me to manage their ads for them. And I was like, well, this makes sense that you don't need to be the one, you know, you're at the place where you can outsource. So then I was like, I started growing my team to help me figure out how we could effectively and authentically manage ads for other people. So it just grew quickly from there. And here we are today. So it's been a lot of fun. There are so many people who have never heard from anyone who sold a blog. What does that process look like? Well, it was very easy for me. So the very first guy where I did um, the marketing training, the Facebook marketing training, and then worked with him on a Facebook ad campaign, he had a portfolio of personal finance blogs. And he was always asking me, if you hear of anybody who wants to sell their personal finance blog, let me know. And I was like, all right, how often is this a thing? Like, I didn't know people sold blogs, you know? You know, how often would it be that people would decide to sell their blog? So I was like, okay, okay, I'll let you know. And then at the end of 2016, where I was like, well, I wonder if he might want to, if he might be interested in mine. So I asked him, he was like, well, absolutely. So it just worked out really easily that it just made sense. We already had this relationship. He'd gone through the process before. So he put together the contract. He made an offer that I was happy with. And that was that. That's awesome. Okay. So one of the questions we get constantly when we have at-home entrepreneurs on is what does your schedule look like? Yeah. So these days, it's very different from when I was starting out and my kids were a little bitty. So these days, my kids are in school. And so I get them on the bus at seven o'clock. And then I usually will work out and then I'll get to work. And then they'll get home. I'll check in with them. And then I'll usually get back to work for a little bit until dinner. And that's the schedule these days. But when I was first starting out, I mean, I didn't go full time right away. It was definitely a progression. 
yeah. of I'm putting a little bit of time, you know, toward my blog when my son is napping or I'm working late to finish a blog post after they go to bed. I was trying to find pockets of time where mm-hmm. I could make it work. And then I had the opportunity, my mother-in-law was able to watch my kids for, you know, a day or an afternoon here or there. And then we kind of worked a rhythm around that. And then it just really grew from there. And then, you know, once they were got to go to school, that freed up sections of time in my schedule with preschool and then kindergarten and all of that. Then as things really started to grow in 2017, that's when I realized I needed a little bit of like after school care and help. And so it's definitely, it's definitely evolved over time. Do you have any hacks for managing like household stuff and your business, like dinner time or laundry dishes? Like, how do you guys handle that? So my husband is our cook and he does most of the stuff around the house. We have a house cleaner that comes every couple of weeks. That's something that's been really nice because then there's less. They just take care of it. So, I mean, he's always been really supportive and his schedule has been fairly flexible um, where he can come home in the afternoon and then kind of take over kid duties too, helping the kids with their homework. He's our cook, so he likes to handle that. Our balance, though, is that he doesn't want to figure out what to make. He wants me to pick out a recipe and I love like having that choice of like, okay, make this and this and then, you know, (laughs) make it happen. We found that rhythm. So as far as hacks, it's just figuring out like who is good at what, who wants to do what, and then figuring out where that balance is and so, and what that looks like. And then, you know, get the kids involved too. So they definitely, they are in charge of cleaning up their rooms and, you know, helping around the house and doing things. And so that's really nice that put them to work and they can help out and it's good for them too. It is good for them too. Absolutely. Especially because they start to feel that sense of ownership. And I think so often kids don't feel like they're given any autonomy. So just those tasks. Right. My kids like love unloading the dishwasher. They just think it's like the most amazing thing. Yes. <laughs> and yes. we don't want to do it. So it's kind of perfect. <laughs> yeah. And they love to vacuum and they love to, you know, they love to jump in and do things and really help. I mean, my kids love to help. And so give, mm. them, give them that opportunity. They can do it. Absolutely. Okay. So we're going into to a new year. I know a lot of moms in our community have a goal around starting a new side hustle, starting a new business in the new year. What advice do you have for them? Oh, so I would say just get started. Like if you, if you don't know your path, like I was, you know, just get started doing something, you know, figure out who you want to help. Maybe that can help, you know, you figure out what their, what their needs are, where you might be interested in helping. Or if you have Mm -hmm. something that you're like, I really like to do this type of work, then start there and start figuring out who you want to work with. One thing that really kind of benefited me early on is that I accidentally niched down into the personal finance space with Facebook ads. And so I was really good at, you know, still really good at, um, (laughs) you know, Facebook ads in the personal finance space. But that was an accident because that was my network. And that's just where it grew organically. So I would say get clear, though, because that when you niche down, and you know who you want to help and how you want to help them, then you become the go to source. So I I think if you're going to set yourself on the fast track for referrals and for fast growth, then get really clear on that. And it's okay to dabble around here and there, you know, to figure that out. But once you kind of hone in on something, then really focus on that. Awesome. All right, Monica, before we let you go, we have to have you try on our Smart Money Mama's sorting hat. So the sorting hat is our version of the hot seat where we ask Magical Hat to reveal something about you. Are you ready? I am ready. What is one book that changed your life? You know, I would say The Millionaire Next Door. I was fresh out of college and I remember reading The Millionaire Next Door and it just kind of opened my eyes that 
the millionaire next door is not necessarily, you know, with the glitzy car and the glitzy house and, mm-hmm. you know, and shopping at the luxury stores. That's where I really learned that many millionaires are either doctors, lawyers, or business owners. And at that mm-hmm. time, I was like, well, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to be a lawyer, <laughs> business owner. I don't know. And so I just kind of let that, you know, be in the back of my mind. And I think having that in the back of my mind really kind of opened myself up for when I was ready to look at that as a possibility for myself. But I think, I think it all, my entire journey kind of goes back to that book. And it's doctors, lawyers, and business owners who keep that small lifestyle, right? And that balance. Cause there was also some really interesting stories in that book. I love that book about blue collar millionaires and they've lived in the same house since they got married forever. And they just never really, they kept saving every time they got a raise. And you can do really powerful things even without having that huge income. I love that book. That's such a good one for people starting out. Yeah. And it's about intentionality too, and not trying to keep up with the Joneses. Absolutely. Monica, where can people follow up with you and see more of your work? Yes. So I have my own podcast. It's called Flourish to Seven Figures. And I also, if you are interested in learning Facebook ads, I've got my free Facebook ad starter kit. If it's okay, if I can share that. Absolutely. We'll link it in the show notes. So they can find that at monicalouie.com slash Chelsea. And that walks people through the six steps to creating high converting campaigns, plus there's a checklist and glossary so you can be super organized. I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Flourish with Monica. And so I'd love to, I'd love to connect with you. I love it. Love it. Monica, thank you so much for joining us. This was fantastic. Thank you so much, Chelsea. I really appreciate you having me. Mamas, I loved hearing Monica's story start to finish. It's such an amazing example of what we talked about with Maxie McCoy in episode 58. You just have to keep taking the next right step. You don't need to know the end goal. In fact, where you end up is probably going to be somewhere you can't even imagine right now. But if you trust yourself, keep learning, and keep taking those small steps, you'll do great things. Just like Monica going from six figures of debt to a thriving online business that fills her cup by helping other business owners grow. It's an incredible, incredible thing. As always, I've wrapped up my three favorite takeaways from this chat with Monica for you to take into your own money journey. First, focus on what debt freedom will mean for you. Paying off debt isn't just about the numbers, about how much less you'll pay in interest. There is such freedom and confidence that comes with getting out of debt and identifying how that's going to change your day-to-day life, how it'll change your experiences, your stress level, your mood. That can be a strong motivating force. Monica and her husband knew that by getting out of debt, she could continue to be a stay-at-home mom without worrying about making ends meet. It also gave her the space to develop and grow her own business, which has ultimately resulted in even more financial stability and thriving for her and her family. So think about what paying off debt truly means for you. Find your motivation and discover how you can use that feeling to keep you going when life inevitably puts obstacles in your way. Second, budgeting can allow you to spend without guilt and can feel empowering, Monica shared that she was the spender in her family. She liked shopping and nice shoes. In fact, she even said some of those spending habits made her husband a little nervous early on. You'd think, with the way people normally talk about budgets, not us, of course, but other people, that Monica would be a prime person to resent budgeting. But instead, by creating a budget and aligning her spending with her goals and values, Monica actually found more freedom 
with her spending. For the first time, she could spend money without fear or guilt. She knew the money was there. Budgets aren't about restriction and deprivation. They're about putting you in control of your money, making sure you can use that money in a way that best serves you now and in the future, and providing more freedom by releasing you from money stress. It's why I love budgets. And finally, you don't have to start as an expert to grow a successful business. Monica is an incredible online ad expert. She helps six and seven figure business owners scale their businesses and profits with Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest ads. But she didn't start an expert. Monica learned the basics of running ads by running them for her own personal finance blog. And when she had success and shared it with others, they wanted her help. It didn't matter that she wasn't highly trained. She was ahead of her clients, committed to doing a great job, and she got results. Of course, over time, she leaned into her craft. She learned more about the systems, perfected her practices. She became an expert through experience, like we all do. If you want to start a business or a passion project, you don't have to be perfect, especially since perfect is an impossible goal, so just let that one go. You just have to be honest about what you know, committed to helping your clients, and be willing to learn along the way. Who knows where it will get you? You've got this. Mamas, I want to thank Monica again for coming on the show and sharing her debt freedom and business story with us. You can find links to her site, monicalouie.com, and her podcast, Flourish to Seven Figures, in the show notes at smartmoneymamas.com forward slash Monica. You can also head there to download your free Design Your Passion Project workbook so you can discover the type of side hustle or business you want to start to fill your cup and your wallet. Thanks for hanging out with me today. If you learned anything, leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and tell a mom friend. Keep talking money, mamas. I'll see you next time.